0: Hello and welcome to the Keto Leader Podcast. You may notice that the name has changed. So it used to be the Low Carb Leader Podcast. And after a short hiatus, I am rebranding it as the Keto Leader. And the reason I'm doing this is because I've been very involved in the ketogenic lifestyle lately. And I feel great. Most of the people I've interviewed in the past actually are pretty much ketogenic. If you remember the interview from Mark Sisson, you know I recently read his book on the ketogenic lifestyle, and it seems that a lot of low carbers are moving toward keto, and I am one of them because of the great benefits. I have also been taking exogenous ketones, and they have been doing amazing things for me. If you remember, in the past I was somewhat opposed to them, and you know you have to admit your mistakes, and I admit them, and Now I eat ketogenic and I take exogenous ketones and it's a great combination that I've discovered. So that's what this is about. I am planning on bringing back the podcast. It will be interviews and maybe solo episodes. I'm gonna try to keep them short because that's what all of you asked for. So when I interview somebody, it always lasts longer than 15 or 20 minutes. So I do break it up into a couple different parts I am glad to be back in the podcast world. So you can still reach me at dan at the Hey, I do have a new Keto Leader Facebook group. It's called the Keto Leader. So you can find that at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the Keto Leader. So check that out. I think I have about, I actually have about 5,000 people on that. The Low Carb Leader Facebook page is still there, and that has about 52,000 people now. So I am going to be exclusively talking about ketogenic lifestyle, and the podcast may still pop up as the low-carb leader because it takes a while for all of that stuff in the internet world and in the cloud to change. Sometimes it never changes. So that's it. So I am glad that you are listening, and I'm Very, very happy to be back. This episode of the Keto Leader Podcast is brought to you by Pure Therapeutic Ketones. If you follow this podcast, you know that I have been involved on a low carb and ketogenic lifestyle for a long time. It's actually been almost 10 years now. Uh, Before I started taking these ketones, although I was very strict in the way I ate, my energy was never quite there. I was always tired in the afternoon, You know that 2 o'clock slump, I just couldn't get past it, so I was very unproductive. And the worst part was my sleep. Uh, I was being low-carb. It dramatically affected my sleep. I kept waking up at 2.30 in the morning. But after taking ketones, all this turned around. My energy is now incredible. I only drink coffee now because I like the taste. I no longer need the caffeine, and I sleep great. It's I sleep through the night, I wake up refreshed, and then I start my day again with ketones. If you need energy, better sleep, or if you've actually stalled or hit a a plateau you can't seem to break through for fat loss, you definitely want to try pure therapeutic ketones. And if you're interested, a great way to start is doing a five day or a 10 day experience. And this allows you to try them and to try the different flavors. Email me at dan at thelowcarbleader.com for more information. And as a special to you, the podcast listener, I am offering a coupon that will save you $5 off the 5-day experience or $10 off the 10-day experience. So this is a great chance to try it at a discount. All right, here's part one with Ivor Cummins. We have an awesome guest today. Ivor Cummings just wrote a book. And uh, we're going to be talking about the book, but we're also going to be talking about his background and why he became interested in low-carb and keto and everything else. So the name of his book is Eat Rich, Live Long. Welcome, Ivor Cummins.
1: Thanks a lot, Tom. Great to be here.
0: All right. Rather than uh, reading your bio, which is pretty impressive, but why don't you take us through your background and how you became interested in this movement?
1: Right. Well, originally, uh, I generally ate healthy. I, you know, I'm 50 years of age this December, but generally ate healthy, or at least I thought I was eating healthy, you know, healthy whole grains and not eating too much fat. Uh, But several years ago, in 2012, I got some routine blood tests uh, prior to having an operation for a bicycle accident. And uh, a few of the metrics came up really, really high. Uh, So serum ferritin and the liver enzyme GGT and the cholesterol was high also. Uh, So basically in my day job, I'm a professional problem solver in engineering. I originally did a biochemical engineering degree. So I've been a manager and a kind of a team leader for decades in engineering complex problem solving. So when I saw these really poor blood tests and discussed them with the doctor, I noticed that I was way above the population average. Uh, And I knew instinctively, even though I didn't understand those tests deeply at this point, I realized they're really high. There's got to be a a reason for that. So long story short, the doctor tried to explain to me uh, what the reason might be and what the implications for future health were. And basically, the doctor didn't explain very well, very unconvincing. Um, So I went to another doctor and I grilled them, (laughs) interrogated them. And again, very disappointing, and a third doctor. So I realized then, look, I've got five children, I'm interested in health, uh, I'm gonna have to find out what this means. So I went and I researched myself back to the actual literature, PubMed, ResearchGate, I had corporate logons to all the, the data, and uh, I began to research it, and within a few weeks, I narrowed down to carbohydrate metabolism, essentially. So I realized that all the healthy whole grains I was eating, Uh, I was a a fiend for fruit fruit juice, you know, five a day. I used to like juice and drank quite a bit of that. And uh, I was eating a low-fat diet. And I found out that my liver problems, my elevated serum ferritin, all of these things connected into excessive carbohydrate in the diet.
0: All right. So going back, you just turned 50 in December. So did I. So when's your birthday? I want to see who's older.
1: I'm 50 on the 29th of December coming next December. Oh, okay. I, turn, I
0: turned 50 on December 3rd, so. Uh, well,
1: you're yeah. looking young anyway, that's for I, sure. I, I was oh, going to
0: well, say you are too. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, mm. So a little bit about your background. So biochemical engineering. So kind of describe about what, what did you study there in that program?
1: Right. Well, uh, in second year in the chemical engineering course, you had a choice to do biochemical or classic chemical. And the main difference with the biochemical is you did a couple of years of uh, the chemistry of life was the primary text. So you went through all of metabolism, all the proteins, uh, you know, the citric acid cycle and basically a high level uh, with some depth view of all of human metabolism, the biochemistry of the human machine uh incidentally it was my favorite subject bar none in the four years in college uh so i scored pretty high in it Uh, but then for 20 years i worked in you know process industry and microelectronics and fluidics so i never actually used a lot of that knowledge um so it lay dormant uh but then when i got my blood test problem i got the latest edition of the chemistry of life and i can recommend it for people it's uh dr stephen rose on the fourth edition the chemistry of life fantastic uh, biochemistry book for the, you know, someone who's not already an expert.
0: Going back to your comment, we're gonna, we're gonna kind of walk through uh, different aspects of your book, but mm. I thought that five servings of fruit or fruit juice per day was recommended. It
1: most certainly is recommended, <laughs> but then the food pyramid is also still <laughs> recommended. And amusingly, Dan, they're slightly morphing the food pyramid So the ridiculous food pyramid with the six to 11 servings of whole grains and breads and pasta, that's slightly changing now. And they're beginning to back away from uh, the kind of bad signs. But it's still a heavily carb food pyramid. And the guidelines still generally say 50 to 60% carbohydrate and limit the fat. Uh, So the vegetables, I found out above ground leafy vegetables, cruciferous vegetables, low starch vegetables bring some benefits. Uh, but fruit juices and excessive fruit all year round, obviously, are bringing in way too much easily digestible carb uh, and causing a lot of problems, especially in conjunction with fat. So uh, I'd question those guidelines.
0: <laughs> so Ansel Keys, you know, I've, I've described this study to some of my friends and, and they think like, I'm kind of crazy because of this, this uh, the, the whole seven country study and how that was kind of I don't want to use the word manipulated but maybe that's the right word. So kind of t- kind of talk about Ansel Keys and then in your book you talk about the way that the truth is kind of twisted. How are we so off base with our diet? And kind of so kind of take us through the Ansel Keys part of it and then lead into where we are now.
1: Right, okay, Dan. Well, we did in the first part of the book, we wanted to make the book or accessible to ordinary people and also to uh, medical practitioners. My co-author, Dr. Jeff Gerber, particularly wants medical professionals who are not low-carb and who who don't fully understand nutrition uh, to be able to access this book and learn. But the first section, we went through a few chapters to quickly go through that story. So very briefly, Yes, uh, many, many decades ago, they knew cholesterol was implicated in heart disease. They knew that cholesterol was in the atherosclerotic plaques, the atheroma in the arteries. Um, They had a bit of a correlation that higher cholesterol seemed to be a risk factor for heart disease, uh, but they didn't really understand it. So there was a lot of this history of knowing there was something up with cholesterol uh, and high cholesterol seemed to be a problem. Now, Ansel Keys took this and, and brought it into hyperdrive uh, because he believed that the high cholesterol was certainly causal, and he believed that excessive fat in the diet drove higher cholesterol and hence drove heart disease. So I think you referred to his studies there. The first one was the Six country Study.
0: Six, six country yeah.
1: Yeah, that, that was the initial one, and that was just a confection. That was It was a bit of fluff. It, it was a joke to a scientist nowadays. It was just he picked six countries with their percentage of saturated fat and their uh, incidence of heart disease. And he got a straight line, more fat in the diet, more heart disease. And the classic uh, understanding now is he chose six countries out of 22. But if you looked at all 22, there was no real correlation. And also sugar in the diet correlated as strongly. But he dismissed that and wasn't interested because his belief system was it was the fat so he was biased in his beliefs so the six countries was kind of laughed at by many uh, top researchers because it was just a correlation and cherry-picked countries but ansel was a very powerful character and he did not give up rather than questioning his own work and realizing that he kind of screwed up with this big claim from a correlation he drove ahead and organized the seven country study. Now here he tracked the people for many, many years. He essentially chose similar countries, a couple are different, but he would have known, and here's what the bias is, he would have known in advance how it was gonna turn out. So it was a little bit like the six countries. He kinda knew that these countries would line up quite well with his theory. And again, they were chosen countries. So if you want to look at fat and heart disease and cholesterol, you must look within a country, you know, at the amount of fat eaten by individuals versus heart disease. It'll still be a correlation, but at least it won't be confounded by the different things in different countries, their degree of industrial development, their, their sugar consumption, their refined carbohydrate consumption. All these confounders, if you do a multi-country study are almost laughable now. Uh, But my favorite bit about Ansel Keyes, if you cut right through the whole story and you bring his kind of 70s junk study, the seven countries, and bring it up to the modern day, what if you did a proper version of Ansel Keyes study with 18 countries and instead of Ansel's 12,000 men, men only, you actually used maybe 130,000 men and women and you looked at a modern analytics well, the beauty is, last year, the PURE study was released, which is exactly what I described, a massive upgrade of ansel's study. And hey, presto, it came to the opposite conclusions. So what it showed in summary was how more fat in the diet was certainly not bad. It trended lower in heart disease, and it was actually significantly lower in stroke. But the higher carbohydrate percentages in the diet correlated with increasing mortality. So that's the final word on Ansel studies. They were junk, and the modern, high-tech, large, similar studies reverse his findings.
0: Thanks, everyone, for listening to the Keto Leader podcast. So I'm going to try to keep these podcasts to about 15 minutes. With the longer interviews that I've already conducted, it it is probably going to break them up into several parts. If this gets annoying to you, please let me know at dan at thelowcarbleader.com. With some of these longer interviews, though, I'm going to try to post more than weekly, but I get continuing feedback from everyone about shorter is better. So I'm going to keep these around 15 minutes. And then future episodes, I will do shorter interviews so you can get more information in a shorter amount of time. So have a great week, everybody.